You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 267. It is also the season premiere? That's how they call it, right? Yeah, season premiere of season 9 of Beyond Synth. That's right. So I hope you guys had a good break, if you were breaking, or uh, breaking too. Electric Boogaloo. That is a film I have never seen, but for some reason I know the title of, and that's whatever. Look, the point is this, okay? It's season 9 of Beyond Synth, and we've got a cool season planned for you. We got lots of awesome music. We got some changes, which I'm going to talk about, and some uh, new features, so I hope you enjoy those. Today, I will be chatting with Eli Raybon, and uh, if you don't know who he is, I played his uh, tracks on the show before, but he also wrote the song Battery Brain, which is the title track for Andy's Spaceship. He was uh, kind enough to let me use that song, which is a, it's a fun, cool tune. So we'll be chatting with him, and we'll be listening to music from Color Theory, Hoo-Ha! I mean, he's modern night now, but I think he released this one as hoo-ha. Uh, Teruz, Seth Duncan featuring Charlie Young and Mesa Jane. And of course, uh, music by Eli Raybon, all right? So look, let's get the show started. I want to say that Beyond Synth is brought to you by awesome people who support the show on Patreon, like the Kings of the Pattersons, okay? We're talking about Robert D. Bishop, Collector, Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. You guys are the Kings of the Pattersons, and I salute you. And now let's listen to some music. This is a new one from Color Theory. Uh, I hope this is out. Because <laughs> it is now. Uh, this is Mages by Color Theory. Tragic, tragic, 
And that was Mages by Color Theory. Go check out the music of Color Theory. And if you want to know more about him, go listen to the Beyond Synth with Color Theory. He was actually on a few times because we used to do a segment. So there's lots of uh, Color Theory to go around. And of course, that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Jose Arbello, the King of Hell, with the 66.6, and Jacob Wick with the 4488, my semi-sonic friend, and City Hunter with the 42. Now look. Now look is what I just said. Um... As I said, we're making some changes to the show uh, this year and possibly going forward forever. Who knows? You will notice... Well, you won't notice yet because this is only the first episode, but, you know, like all seasons of Beyond Synth, I change the show artwork every year. 
And this year, I'm doing something a little bit different, which was sort of inspired by Dark Synth Month from last season of Beyond Synth. And when I was curating the Dark Synth playlists and having Dark Synth guests on the show, I thought, this is kind of a fun idea, and it actually helped me sort of curate the songs I was going to play. So this season is going to be structured more with themes in mind, and the artwork will change based on what the theme is. So just like one of those old like uh, Marvel comics, like, you know, the Spider-Man covers where they would release like four different variations and you had to like collect them all. Basically, it's the same artwork. You know, it's a picture of me on the cover with my hand out holding like a little hologram thing. But depending on what the show is, and I've sort of broken it down roughly into four, I don't want to use the term genre, but like themes within, you know, the, the universe of music that I play on the show. So, for example, today's episode is a synth pop show, which means I'm going to be playing more kind of synth pop tunes and Eli Raybon is a synth pop guest so it's got the sort of blue purpley synthwave sun backdrop we're gonna do like regular just synthwave shows you know classic instrumental synthwave and that's got a different background that's gonna be the one with the orange sun and then we're gonna do dark synth shows and that's the one that's gonna have like the hell background and I've got like glowing eyes and there's like fire and stuff and then a more uh, like outrun cyberpunk uh, type shows the kind of like the cinematic synth kind of stuff and that's got another alternate cover I know this might sound premature but I might not change the cover art for next season of the show because I might just do this going forward and have this this sort of like alternating cover thing so it's sort of like when you see the uh, the episode artwork when you download the show you'll get a sense of what the show is and that's the plan all right so that's one of the things we're going to be doing uh this season and uh we're also going to be listening to cool music so let's listen to some i have a letter here from the fear merchant who uh, upgraded his support. Well, we'll mention that after the song. Uh, but he says, uh, Hey, Andy, finally upgraded to the Donation of the Beast. Was wondering if you could play the jingle. Uh, not today. <laughs> I'll play the jingle next time I do the Donation of the Beast. Uh, I've been working through the back catalog and miss hearing it in the new episodes. I think it got complicated because then when we did the second version of the Donation of the Beast song, and then I never knew which one to play, and then I just kind of just stopped doing it. But uh, we'll do it next time, all right, when we do the announcement. Um, he also says, am I allowed to request a song as part of my Patreon support? If so, can you play Cool Teenage High School Jacket by Mike Mendoza? Cheers, man. Of course, Mike Mendoza is Modern Night, formerly known as Hoo-Ha. And of course, we can play that song for you, the Fear Merchant, because you are a cool guy. And thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. This is Cool Teenage High School Jacket by Hoo-Ha. <laughs>
All right, and that was Hoo-Ha with Cool Teenage High School Jacket, now known as Modern Night. I know it's confusing, but uh, I never know what to do. Is it considered dead naming if you talk about an artist with their former name? <laughs> Listen, okay, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon. So, but this is actually a good question, by the way. Is it is it appropriate if an artist changes their name and if they release the song under a different artist's name? Do you have to refer to them by their new artist's name? I don't know. Let me know. All right, I like to learn. All right, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, of course. Uh, look, we got a bunch of upgrades over the holidays, so let's do it. I'd like to say that Nathan Winter has upgraded his support. So thank you, Nathan Winter. You are a cool guy, and uh, I hope you and your wife are uh, doing well. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, Sandbox General. We have a new patron in the Triple Six Club. Sandbox General. I say new because I feel like Sandbox General was a Patreon supporter uh, in the early days of the show. So welcome back. Unless I'm completely wrong. Am I wrong? It sounds so familiar, Sandbox General. Anyway, listen, thank you for supporting the show. You're a cool guy. Okay, I want to say that... Thomas Berg has upgraded his support and is now in the $10 club and he wants me to play a Gunstar Hero sound effect. Actually, he wrote me a letter. He says, uh, this is from Thomas. He says, I've just joined the $10 club, but you and I have been in a very special club for a long time. That club is having a last name that is a real word, but I prefer to distance myself from my last name, Redacted. It's me, Thomas Berg. If you announce my upgraded support, I'd really like you to play a video game fanfare. Specifically, the level clear fanfare from the brilliant Sega Genesis title Gunstar Heroes. It goes... Then he just wrote... I think I'll just include it in the email. Well, thanks, buddy, although you sent me an OGG file that I couldn't play, but that's okay because I already have the soundtrack downloaded. So here is your jingle. And then he says, uh, thanks for Beyond Synth and Andy Spaceship. Well, thank you, Thomas, for your support and for upgrading your support. You are a cool guy. And finally, although we read his letter before the song and we played his request, I would like to say that the Fear Merchant has upgraded his support. And he is now also in the Triple Six Club. So look, thank you all for supporting the show, man. It means a lot to me, and you're all very, very cool people. So look, I did have something to say, but now I feel like we should uh, play a song first. So I would like to play this track from Seth Duncan featuring Charlie Young. I think uh, she was one of the artists I found when I was doing that uh, Reverb Nation contest thingy. And this is a cool track, and you're going to dig it. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon support. Well, how about the Hugh Hefner? The Hugh Hefner. Fuck me. <laughs> Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club. I hope you had a good holiday, Hugh Hefner. All right? And now, let's listen to this. This is Seth Duncan featuring Charlie Young with Florida Keys.
And that was Florida Keys by Seth Duncan featuring Charlie Young. All right, and that was a fun one, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, we got Clint Dowling, Jimmy the Hutt, Newmark, Alex Seligson, and Eurobeat Intensifies. You guys are fucking cool guys, all right? We have other things and other changes and new features for the show this season and going forward and i announced it on the patreon and i think i mentioned it in the discord as well this is for uh patrons of the show we're gonna do birthday shout outs all right so if you want me to uh give you a little shout out on your birthday or roughly the week around when your birthday happens let me know when your birthday is okay uh, i i did mention it on uh, patreon and uh, in the Discord, like I said, and about, I don't know, like maybe like 35 people or so uh, message me back. So if you want a birthday shout out, man, you know what to do. All right. So here's Modern Night with the happy birthday jingle. It's birthday time, all right? I'm even filming this for some reason. I'm going to put this online. This isn't, this is a fucking, this is the Patreon list. Where's my birthday? (laughs) All right, look, like I just explained, we're doing birthdays now, all right? If you have your birthday, your patron of Beyond Scent that you want me to do a birthday shout out, we are going to do birthday shout outs, all right? So I want to say happy birthday to Slade, who thought I missed it. Yeah, that's right. He saw the birthday announcement. He's like, oh, you missed it because it was early January. Well, guess what? Fuck you. Happy birthday, Slade. Belated. And then there's Ogre, all right? O-G-R-E. You know, Robin Ogden. He does the theme song to Beyond Synth, the track Shore thing. Super talented dude. It was his birthday in early January, too. Happy birthday to you, man. You cool guy who you'll be seeing in an upcoming episode of Andy's Spaceship. And a very happy birthday uh, January 15th, just a few days ago, to Tetsuya Miwa. Happy birthday to you. In fact, Tetsuya wrote me a letter uh, letting me know that their birthday was January 15th and also wanted to say how much I enjoyed the season finale family show. All right, it put me in such a good mood on New Year's Eve. Beyond Synth is a show that I really look forward to each week. It helped me get through the terrible year 2020. So thank you for producing the show. Looking forward to the next episode cheers Tetsuya well listen happy birthday Tetsuya Miwa and if you want me to do a birthday shout out you know what to do just go to the Patreon man man <laughs> listen if you're on the Patreon just uh, just send me a message and uh, and I'll do a shout out in and around the week when your birthday is because this is a weekly show so it can't be uh, on the date and you know I'm a very disorganized guy so who knows maybe I'll forget Except I've changed my ways. 2021, I'm now an organized guy. You should see all the lists I've made. I'm a regular uh, Oscar Schindler. (laughs) Anyway, look, let's listen to some music. Okay, it's music time. So I want to listen to this track by Teruz, T-E-R-O-U-Z. Uh, this is a cool track. It's called Burn. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We are talking about 
A Star Apart, Restless Nights, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, and Johnny Five. I hope you dig the song, fools. Happy New Year to you. This is Teruz with Burn. And that was Teruz with Burn. 
That's a cool track, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. Cool people like... Did I say Johnny Five already? How about Kempson, Ken Giroux, Martin Larby, Blake Peterson? You guys are all awesome. What else? So I got some more letters to read, and then maybe we'll listen to another track, and then we will go to my conversation with Eli Raybon, all right? I got a letter here. A bunch of people wrote me letters because when they were saying when their birthday was... So I could give them a birthday shout-out. They've also sent me letters, so I'm going to read them. So this one's from Cat Punk, who told me their birthday. It's in May. Let's see if I remember. And uh, Cat Punk says, Love everything you do with the show and the direction you've been taking it. Most of all, thank you for doing what you do for the scene, highlighting cool artists and entertaining all of us weirdos. You really do bring joy to our lives, and you're amazing for it. Well, thank you. P.S. Also, big thanks and appreciation to your family for allowing you to do what you do. Or maybe they just put up with it, whichever applies. Well, um, yeah, sort of both. Right now, they are all being very quiet, so I can record this. <laughs> They're all locked in cages, so I <laughs> so I can record this intro for you guys. It's all very important. Uh, here's another letter from Daniel Hrivnak, a.k.a. Silent H. He let me know when his birthday is, which is in February. Let's see if I remember that. And he says, I love Andy's spaceship. Even just the intro is epic. Well, thank you very much, Silent H. And of course, if you dig the intro, you will uh, like this episode of the show because I'm chatting with Eli Raybon and he made the song, which is a cool song. I got one here from Lucas Pirkel who uh, mentioned his birthday, also February. Interesting. And he said his last birthday was special because on exactly that day, his son was born. So from this year onwards, we will be celebrating birthdays together. Thank you for what you're doing, Lucas Pierkel. That's him signing it. Uh, well, yeah, thanks, dude. And hey, congratulations. Having a kid is, uh, let's just say, I hope you enjoyed sleep. Because you're not going to get it anymore, man. And you know what? It really doesn't even go away. Because even though my kids are like slightly older now, and they're like, hey, they sleep in their own beds. Not for long. Then fucking three in the morning, one of your kids just crawls into bed with you and just starts kicking you in the stomach and crotch. All right? And that's what kids do. And the neck. It's amazing how when kids are asleep, when they lift their leg straight up and bring it down like a scissor kick, it always lands exactly on the dink. I have another letter here from Gary Heather. Uh, he says, uh, yes, please. Shout out around my birthday. Sounds like fun. His birthday's in August. Let's see if I remember that. He says, thank you for continuing to produce the show. I'm loving the Andy Spaceship spinoff, too. I hope you are keeping well so far and have a better 2021. Regards, Gary Heather. Well, Gary Heather, Knight of Ducks. <laughs> I always feel like I have to say these words because I say them every week back to back. Thank you so much for supporting the show, dude. And uh, yes, we are. Uh, I'm making episodes of Andy Spaceship right now. I'm designing a set, uh, which I'm painting at the moment, which hopefully you guys will see not in the next episode, but in the one after. I've got some big and stupid plans for that show, so hopefully we can uh, find some time to uh, do the work on it. But uh, anyways, look, the point is this. Hope you're all having a lovely day. Let's listen to one more track, and then we will go chat with Eli Raybon. This is a track from Mesa Jane. This is another one I found, actually, with the Reverb Nation. Uh, I don't even know what the hell that thing was. I don't know what to call it. Calling it a contest is weird because it's like some prize, right? Anyway, look, the, p- <laughs> the point is, uh, this is a fun track. This is Mesa Jane with Don't Stop.
right, and that was Mesa Jane with Don't Stop. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Ashley Keegan with the 2049. Badge Mickelson with the 1986 and the 1985 Club. The Buchelman Sisters, who we'll be meeting uh, in a few weeks whenever I get around to editing some of these Patreon chats. Then there's Dennis LaFunk with the 1573, Prophet of Jupiter, and Hampus ML in the $15 Club, followed by Chatterack. And then we got Luke Jackson with the 1334 and Skywolf with the 1313. And wait, Mads Baron Christensen's the 1313 as well? I got two 1313s? What are you guys trying to do to me, man? Then, of course, there's Retro Serenade, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salaya Lane. You guys are all awesome. I hope you enjoy the show this season. I'm trying to be a bit more organized. I'm uh, turning over a new leaf, which has currently just been... <laughs> resting over my genitals. I I like to stand around like those paintings of Adam and Eve, you know, where they got the leaf covering their crotch. Uh, So I'm going to turn that leaf over so we can all see. I don't know what this fucking riff means. (laughs) Hope you guys like seeing small dinks. All right, look, let's, uh, we're done. All right, let's, uh, let's go chat with Eli Raybon. All right, well, I am here right now with Eli Ray... How do you say your last name? Raybon, like that? Yeah, exactly. Eli Raybon. All right, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, man. So... I guess, uh, where should we start here? You, your album is a lot of fun. I really like it. Thanks. I really appreciate that. That was definitely a goal going into it. Be interesting. <laughs> have fun. Don't take everything so serious. And uh, yeah, just have a good time. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, that's what I uh, I really like about it. Because I mean, I've been doing uh, Beyond since since like 2013, wow. and within with with sort of like this music in and around the synthwave scene and the stuff that I kind of dig, mm-hmm. there is this sort of tendency for people to be like uh, cool. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's a lot of like cool imagery of being like some 80s dude who's like in the money with a big phone driving a Lamborghini and stuff. And so yeah, the shades, the suit, the whole whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And what and while I do enjoy that stuff, it's refreshing to hear just music that's just sort of like fun and lyrically sort of inventive. I mean, what I really liked about your album was because I, I mean, I've heard other artists in the past work with similar themes, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of like love and technology and AI and using <laughs> computer and sci-fi metaphors to sing love songs and stuff. But yeah. what I like about yours is that it's just sort of like fun and inventive. Like there's lots of clever rhymes and things like I like the poetry of it as well. Thanks. Yeah, I think definitely I was just trying to be as genuine as possible and i think i'm more of i'm definitely not the suave sexy cool person you know i'm definitely (laughs) i'm more of the geek and so i think uh when you're writing songs you're working on any kind of music if you try to force it it's just going to turn out dreadful so yeah for some people the suits and sunglasses works and they totally pull it off i can't pull it off so i do what i can pull off which is the battery brain mad scientist computer themed stuff and I have a lot of fun working in that uh, in that vein. It comes really naturally. And I was actually surprised, like you said, using technology and those sort of metaphors to sing love songs. I thought it was really interesting. I sat down to write songs with no double meanings at all. Like mm-hmm. something like Battery Brain, for example, had the idea of, you know, oh, I'm going to write a song about a robot who's got a few screws loose and is kind of losing his mind. And it, it ends up being this really actually 
one of the most personal things I could have written because I didn't sit down to write that kind of song. I sat down to write a sci-fi song about robots and <laughs> you, you, you end up tying in you know, as an artist, you can't help but inject your DNA into your creations. You can try as hard as you want and you are going to come across. And so I thought it was interesting looking back on the music months later and realizing, wow, I, I know exactly what I'm singing about, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also just the genuine coming at it from a genuine angle, because I think, you know, with some of the music uh, that I listen to anyways, there is this artist that put on this sort of persona of the cool guy. Mm -hmm. When it works, it's fun. When it doesn't work, it can be a little cringy. I mean, that's why (laughs) even in terms of this show that I do, I've always been very sort of genuine in the way that I host, because... I would hear other people like, you know, start up their own kind of like little radio shows and they would do like a voice. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, this is the swinging sounds of, you know, (laughs) Los Angeles 2049. And and I'm like, but I know you're a nerd. Like, I know it's a nerd doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So it falls apart. Whereas for me, I'm like, I'm not even going to pretend like I still have fun when I take the pictures for like the cover arts and things where I'll like act like a cool guy. But I'm a goof and like, I know what I am and like, I don't try and put on like a uh, what's the word putting on airs is that the expression yeah and so i like that and so i like when people come at it from a genuine place because i just feel like the the product is better at the end if you do yeah i I realized early on when i first started to really get into songwriting that you know i I tried to emulate the popular stuff that i liked at the time back when i was a kid before my musical taste matured and then i realized at a certain point like oh that's not me i can't sing that song it doesn't make sense i guess you can sing any song obviously but i have to write what is true to me. And I think jumping off of what you said about having a sense of humor, not being afraid to be a bit goofy, I think there's so much great art that has a great sense of humor and that is just funny. One of my favorite bands, The Flaming Lips, their name alone is funny. You know, it's got a sense of humor to it. It's not trying to be the super cool thing. And obviously there's, you know, there's people who pull off the super cool thing and you need those kind of people. But yeah, I'm a big fan of having, you know, just a sense of humor. And so a lot of the stuff on Super Toys definitely has that element where, you know, it is it is silly, but it's still serious music. And the sense of humor actually just elevates it. It's fun to play with, for sure. So did you have other like projects before this one? Yeah, I started out in 2016 was the first album that I ever released. And it's not publicly available right now. And it was mainly acoustic based, more of a singer songwriter thing. And that's actually where I started out. And I would still say even now that I approach music on the acoustic guitar. I write everything on acoustic guitar. I'm big on the songs and the arrangements, and I do all of that on acoustic guitar. And so a lot of people don't know that who just hear the record. They assume like, oh, he's the synthy guy. But actually, you can take all of the synths and all the bells and whistles away, and I can just play you the song on acoustic guitar as I wrote it. That's how I... I typically work. So that's where I started. It's more acoustic stuff. And then as I started to incorporate all of these sci-fi themes, uh, and I discovered analog sense back a few years back, that everything just really clicked. Uh, it's like, oh, this is the sound I've been looking for. This is how I need to, <laughs> this is how I need to produce this music. And so uh, that, that's really how my, my transition into the synthosphere happened. I know lots of talented people who uh, write their music, you know, either on piano or something first. I think that's a great way to have just the foundation of just like a quality song. Yeah. Because obviously like in Synthwave, I know there's probably that tendency of artists to start with like holding a note down with an arpeggiator and like <laughs> FL yeah. Studio 
studio and like this is how yeah. the song begins but I feel like when you have that instrument that you write with whether it be like a guitar or piano or something something basic where you actually come up with the melody and, and all this stuff that then 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 you apply because I love synth music like that's my oh, that's what makes me very excited but obviously you still need that core of like a proper song right <laughs> the right. melody and the hook and all that and I think you can do all that with a, the instrument you feel comfortable with and then add the bells and whistles afterwards yeah and I mean I think with something like Super Toys the bells and whistles are really important you know it's even in the title of the album that you can interpret Super Toys in a lot of different ways but one of the interpretations is Super Toys are synthesizers and me and the guy who worked on the album we wanted to showcase all of these old synthesizers that we we really love and we're really inspired by we wanted to use as many as possible in as many different ways as possible and so it's definitely a very very important part of the album but I am definitely a fan of of songwriting and of, of that art form which lives outside of synthesizers you know and like you said guitar and piano are tend to be the two main songwriting quote-unquote instruments but yeah i'm really into that sort of thing and putting arrangements together like a puzzle so that that tends to be where i start for an album like super toys where i know it's going to be song focused and i'm trying to write these really you know awesome songs that tends to be where i start and yeah, to finish answering the question of, you know, how I got to, to where I am or my previous musical projects. Yeah, they were started more acoustic and then slowly started to incorporate more new wave elements, more synthesizers, and then uh, ending up at, at Super Toys. Well, yeah, man. Uh, look, how about how about we actually listen to a track from this thing? Cool. And then we'll, we'll keep talking. So I want to listen to this one. It's called Id of the Android. <laughs> and then we'll uh, keep chatting. Perfect. Sounds good.
right, and that was Id of the Android by Eli Raybon, and I'm here right now. I am here. Eli. Now, Eli, this is your real name, or is this a fake name? It is my real name. All right. I have struggled with with that forever. Do I put out music under my real name or do I use an alias? And I don't think I've, I've quite even decided at this point which one I, I would rather do. So it's my real name. I'm a, I'm a fool. Eli is short for... It's just Eli. Oh, okay. It's not, okay. All right. Yeah. Like I'm thinking... Is it Elias? Is that a name? Yeah. Is Elias a name? I think it is. Elias, Elijah. <laughs> Elijah. No, I'm, I'm just Eli... Everyone in, in <laughs> California pronounces it Ellie when they first see it, which mm. I don't really understand. But, I, you know, to be honest, I, I like my name. It's short, three letters. Can't complain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Easy to remember. I like judging people's name based on uh, how economical it is with letters. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say the track Battery Brain, which uh, you've kindly let me use for the title sequence of uh, Andy's Spaceship. Yeah, which turned out really awesome, by the way. Well, it's such an awesome song. Like, you've actually got two tracks that I've listened to quite a lot that have been very sort of inspirational for different things. And so, which is weird that we're just sort of meeting now. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, the track Battery Brain inspired the title sequence. And I always knew in my head, I'm like, this is going to be the title sequence of a show with a spaceship. And the spaceship will do a hard cut. So when it cuts to the chorus, it's going to do a hard cut from me smiling to the shot of the ship flying where it says the title. Like, because I have a brain like that. So like when I hear music, music to me is the most inspiring sort of art for me to create visual stuff. Yeah. And so when I listen to music, I have very specific scenes in my head where I go, this is where this happened. This is the shot. This is the shot on this beat. This happens and so on. Wow. I mean, I knew I wanted to do some kind of spaceship show, and I always knew I'm like, okay, I got to reach out to Eli Raybon because that has to be the song for the title sequence and all this stuff. And so the show was kind of built around the title sequence. <laughs> I'm like, That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's really interesting to hear that side of it because when you first reached out, I assumed that you were going to actually ask about the very last track on the album, which is is this epic cinematic instrumental outro. That tends to be my track that is played the most because it's the one track on Super Toys that is easily playlistable because it fits in a category. That is a epic sci-fi instrumental where most of my other stuff like Battery Brain, it doesn't quite fit anywhere. And so um, I assumed that you were going to reach out about the last track. And when you said Battery Brain, I was like, hmm, that's a pleasant surprise. This is going to be really interesting. And then when I saw the title sequence, I immediately understood why you wanted Battery Brain as a song. It's like, I get it. <laughs> well, because it it's, it's got the right amount of it's fun. It's a great song. The whole album's really well produced. So it adds like a production value to the whole thing. And the title sequence itself is going to evolve. So as I make more episodes, I'm going to start because I filmed a whole bunch of basically like fake footage yeah. for to fill out the title you know where it's like me reacting to the puppets doing things and like it's all just fake reactions to nothing whereas now i actually have episodes of content i can take from yeah uh and it's going to get a lot sillier because i'm going to be building more sets and so there's going to be and we're going to actually land on planets and stuff like it's going to be so stupid <laughs> it's so fucking dumb pluto's first pop star that's one where i think i played the outro one time on the show and I didn't give the actual song that precedes it, like Pluto's first pop star, it's due, I suppose, because after when I sort of really listened to that song, that song I also want to do something with, but that's like a thing that would be years away because it involves the 
Like, I literally have a whole TV show planned, a sort of Sailor Moon type thing, and I want to use that okay. song when it's revealed. Like, there's going to be a character who's, like, secretly the bad guy, but you don't find out until the moment. There's, like, a moment where it reveals them in, in their outfit That's so as cool. it, the camera zooms out and it plays this song because, like, for some reason I keep my ideas so close to the chest, even though... <laughs> I never end up making anything, but essentially the idea of the scene is, so there's a Sailor Moon type character, and then there's her her boyfriend character in the show, who actually turns out to be the villain, and he has a base on a spaceship, and you never find out who he is, but then he finds out who she is, because the, both of their identities are secret to each other, so there's like a prom scene where like he has to like run away because he realizes that she's like the Sailor Moon character, and then she calls him on the phone, to be like, oh, is this going to be a problem as this song is playing? Because it's like playing at a prom dance. So like it works as a dance song. Yeah. Towards the end of the song where it does the chorus reprise like one last time. And it's all big and huge. And mm-hmm. then as the camera starts to slowly zoom out on the on the guy as he's like, is this going to be a problem for, for him? And he's like, oh, it might be. And then as the camera zooms out, you see him in villain outfit from the neck down. So like you just see his face when he's on the phone. As the chorus starts playing, the camera starts panning out. And he's in his spaceship with like this weird like evil costume on with like neon red lights and his cape starts like blowing and it's like all it's like <laughs> this is this is what's in my head as I listen to that song because it works because like the characters were dancing to it. Yeah. So it's got like the you know, it's like the year end dance thing that people are dancing to, and then it also is like the villain reveal and it's like kind of dramatic and emotional at the same time. Anyway. I'm all that. for it. All for it. <laughs> I just spoiled the thing I'm never going to make. <laughs> yeah. If you hypothetically ever needed other soundtrack music for the thing that you're never going to make, we'll hook you up too. <laughs> because these songs also have kind of like an emotional hook to them as well. So I think that's why I really gravitated towards the album because it's like it's fun. But there's also this weird blend of like fun and melancholy. Yeah. And a lot of the songs sometimes do both. Yeah. Like I think even even Battery Brain when I listen to Battery Brain. Brain, Yeah. Like it's fun. But then when you listen to what the words are and then it's sort of like kind of the song has like this little twist and you can sort of take it either way. Wow. I'm almost getting chills that you picked up on that because I've never had that conversation. But yeah, it's definitely one of the things that inspires me most about music is that it, it can have that double-sided nature to it where you listen to it one day and it, it hits you in a happy way. You listen to it again later and you just realize, whoa, this is completely different than when I heard it last because I'm just interpreting this differently. And yeah, I think you can do some really strange things when you start to contrast happy robot imagery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then basically imagine a, a robot with a smiley face and now make it a frowny face. It becomes really sad. Like if you take something that's kind of silly and you make it sad, it can become really sad really fast. Yeah, and that's why I love when when music inspires me, like I tend to in my head think of that contrast and not doing the obvious thing because a lot of people, especially sort of like in and around the synthwave scene, tend to do the obvious thing and a lot of people really like that and I like it too, to be honest, but it's not what I do in my head. So like when I hear like a synthwave track, it's really easy to go, Oh yeah, there's a Lamborghini driving on a coastline and there's a sun and this is the song that plays, right? Mm -hmm. But then it's also fun to imagine doing exactly what you just said where I take a song that sounds happy and go, what if this is playing but like the character just got dumped by his girlfriend but it plays a happy song instead because maybe it played earlier in the season if this is like a TV show or something. Yeah. And so now that song has like a completely different meaning even though it's still a happy song but we're seeing a different image. Or like, you know, when movies play, you know, there's like an action scene and characters are dying and all of a sudden like... (laughs) 
like a pop song comes in and it feels wrong, but then there's sort of a weirdness to marrying those images together. Yeah. Oh, but before we continue, let's just listen to the damn song because it's awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. So this is Battery Brain by Eli Raybon. I've got pride in my brain. Can you hear it hum? Lately, all of my circuitry has been acting up. Hexadecimal.
And that was Battery Brain by Eli Raybon. And I'm here with Eli Raybon right now talking about music. This is probably the most music talk I've ever done on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am totally cool to diverge at any point and jump into (laughs) any other topic. But music is cool, too. So what's your deal, man? What's the story of Eli? Are you a young man? Are you an old man? I can't tell. Well, I feel old. I am... Just to be completely transparent, I'm 23. Whoa, you're a young dude. So yeah, pretty young, comparatively speaking, with a lot of the synth waivers. Um, (laughs) I think it's really interesting how synthesizers can be so nostalgic to me when that doesn't make sense because I didn't live through the 80s and I discovered synthesizers later on in life. Mm -hmm. But there's something undeniably nostalgic about them that I immediately gravitated towards. So yeah, a lot of people are, are surprised that I'm as young as I am, I guess. I don't know, especially with my music influences too and like the stuff I'm actually interested in. It tends to be like confusing. <laughs> as I say, I've been doing this for a while and like I'm occasionally surprised by people who, I remember when I had like Perturbator on the show and he makes like dark synth music. Yeah. And he was 23, I think, when mm-hmm. I had him on like, the, but I mean, that was, you know, years and years and years ago, but it was the same thing where I was like, oh, looking at the artwork he chose inspired by like heavy metal magazine kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. well, there's no way. I, I was I was getting ready to talk to like some fucking 40 year old dude. <laughs> And yeah. then he's like this young guy. I'm like, oh, weird. And like the music was really well produced. And, and your stuff as well. It's like the, the production is really solid on the album. Like it's all very clean and, and it just sounds nice. Yeah. So a little bit uh, behind the production. So I actually work with my one collaborator. So for the longest time, I was so insistent on doing everything 100% myself. I didn't want anyone else to, to touch my songs. I'm a very selfish songwriter. I'm still that way. You know, when I have a song that I really like, it's mine. You know, I, I wrote it. And so I tend to be overprotective of my songs and, and I don't want anyone else interfering. But I finally found this one guy. He lives out in LA. His name's Prozac Morris. And we met. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. We met two weeks before I left LA. And we talked about maybe working on a side project together. And eventually, after we we did enough work together, I trusted him enough to say, you know, I've got these sci-fi songs. He's he's a bit older than me. He's like, you know, eleven or twelve years older than me. So he's been he's been twisting the knobs a lot longer. Mm. And so it made sense to bring him on as a producer to work with. And so we we basically made the album cross country where I would record a demo, send it to him, he would lay down his thing, send it back, I would lay down more synths, and we went back and forth like that. So we actually uh it's a really interesting 
way to make an album. When we actually met one time, we met one evening. We went out to dinner and then listened to music at his place. And then, uh, yeah, from there, we worked together for like nine months to make the album. We would have these long three-hour phone calls where we would go over all these production details and just hash it all out. And yeah, we did the whole thing remote, which is uh, an interesting way to make a record. You know, you know, when you want to really have control of the things you make, I don't know if like selfish is the proper word because I'm the same way Mm -hmm. and it's just because I feel weird putting my name to something I've said this often on the show like I always feel weird when like a director can put their name to say a big budget Hollywood movie Yeah, when you know that it took the work of like thousands of people to make like you know when you see like you know Peter Jackson directed Lord of the Rings and then there's that part where it goes on for 10 minutes of all the artists (laughs) yeah and, you know, where George Lucas, or, I mean, doesn't do it now, but, you know, like he gets to walk in a room and then people just point to, well, here are the 10 designs I came up with for fucking Robot BO29. And then he just goes, that one. Uh, I like number four and then walks away. Yeah. For me, whenever I would make videos and stuff, I just, I want to do it all myself just so when I, when it, at the end where it says this was like an Andy production, mm-hmm. I want to be able to say like, yeah, Andy did most of it. I mean, right now with the damn puppets, like I'm puppeting too. Like it's filmed in split screen. Like I'm doing everything. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, I'm not doing the voices of the puppets. Like that's other people. Mm-hmm. But essentially, like I'm doing all the effects I'm doing you know I build all these models like I don't know how to build models I'm just like I just wanted to do it so I could say like it's this is my thing you know absolutely so I know that feeling yeah it's a weird place to be and you know I had the same thing it's where it's you know I wrote all of this music and it existed and then I wanted to make an album and I never been in a band or anything I've always just been a solo artist and uh yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And I actually definitely, as I've gotten older too, now that I'm super old, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, over the years, I've slowly begun to realize like, oh, you know what? I'm not necessarily that interested in sitting there for four hours trying to mix the kick drum. I don't actually care. I, I care if I don't like it, but that's not, I can write a, I can write two songs in four hours. It's a much better use of my time. So as I've kind of mellowed out a little bit in my old age, I've decided to <laughs> you know, start uh, collaborating more. And I, I, I actually really enjoy it. You're learning a valuable lesson at a time I wish I had. Uh, the, only, <laughs> the only thing I've conceded now at, f- how old am I? I'm like 39. Jesus Christ. The, the, the thing I've conceded now is music like because i still i would even fool around and make my own music and stuff too mm-hmm. and it's only now even though because i know so many talented people especially like you know guests that have been on the show and music i play on this show where now yeah. i'm just like you know what i just reach out to them and go like oh you know could you uh, write a little thing or can i use this song for this or use this for that <laughs> and to be honest with you like most people have been really uh supportive and polite you know like whenever I, i've never had someone be like no <laughs> like you, you can't use my song, right. and and I mean I'm sure it makes them happier, like that it can be attached to something that has like sort of production values. Yeah, limited as they are, there's still a lot worse things I've seen on the internet. So, when, <laughs> but even now, even like special effects work, I have friends who do cool effects, and I'm I'm always a little hesitant to ask them, even though I know they would do a better job with the thing than I would. Yeah, I get it. I think for me, the reason I finally was able to get over this is because. As a songwriter, I tend to work really quickly. I wrote all of Super Toys and also another album that is somewhat thematically similar that hasn't been released yet. I wrote almost about 80% of two albums in the course of a two and a half week window. I was just writing 
furiously, mm-hmm. nonstop. And that tends to be as a quick tangent how I operate. I don't write every day. I just have these periods or these uh, little seasons, I guess, where I just I have an idea. And I tend to think in terms of albums too, not just single songs, but oh, I have this whole idea that needs to be expressed in a bunch of smaller units. So anyway, <laughs> I, I tend to I tend to, tend to work like that. But back to the point, the, what I was saying was um, I have just a lot of material that I could sit and play you on acoustic guitar. And I know how much work it takes to go from that to going to something like Super Toys, where it is a finished production. And eventually that pile of songs grew so big that I realized, you know what? If I actually want to make all of this in my lifetime, because I'm so old, I don't have much time left. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to get everything done, I need to trust other people, find collaborators that I enjoy working with, and work on stuff together because you can just get it done faster. I would rather give up some artistic control. Not that I have to give up much. I mean, Prozac and I are like, we are locked. We are always on the exact same page. So it's it's not like we're we're battling and we or we have conflicting visions or anything like that. But you're giving up some control because you're not literally the one sitting there doing every tiny thing. But I I decided, you know, I want to prioritize actually finishing stuff over obsessing over doing everything myself. And also on top of that, I'm a crazy perfectionist and it makes albums and music and art more enjoyable when somebody else has a little of their DNA in there too, Mm -hmm. because then it gives me something to listen to. You know, oh, that's something I wouldn't have come up with. That's interesting to me. I like that. Instead of just second guessing every tiny decision you made with the production and then second guessing your life and, you know, yeah. going down, the, <laughs> getting in the doom loop there. Yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, how about this? Let's uh, let's listen to another track. All right. I, w- I want to listen to Star Child. This is a good one. It's like a big, cheesy slow dance song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I dig it. So let's uh, let's listen. This is Star Child by Eli Raybon.
right, and that was Star Child by Eli Raybon. I'm here chatting with Eli right now about uh, collaborations and stuff. Yeah. I think that's an important point, too. Like, when it comes to collaborating anyways, that some people do enjoy that other stuff. You know, it's like when you look at a film set, and you just think there's there's people out there who are just very like detail oriented people who become you know like assistant directors or whatever where like you know they just keep track of charts and they keep everyone organized and stuff like that and sometimes there is people who exist who that's the thing that they're good at like maybe they're not good at coming up with the initial idea mm-hmm. it's sort of the same way in music i guess too is like when you sit there and just say like i am not interested in fiddling with knobs i know there's lots of well <laughs> Sorry, this is now like a silly metaphor. But, you know, there's people out there who really enjoy doing that. Why not let them do that? Like, maybe there's people who really just, you know, it's not about starting a song. It's about joining someone who's already got the initial push of an idea and going, I know how to add to this. And like, that's my, that's literally my power is adding to other people's stuff and making it better. Yeah, it's it's all about finding the right people. You know, I... I've always been very thankful. I was in some bands in middle school and high school, which all broke up. And I think that being in a band is difficult because you have to continue to work with the same people, album after album, project after project, and cracks start to form over the long term. But when you're just a solo artist, you can reach out to different people for different projects and it gives you a lot of freedom. And yeah, definitely to jump off of what you said about, you know, some people just want to do this specific thing. I definitely agree with that. And I always just try to, avoid (laughs) collaborating with well let's put it this way you can't have two songwriters in the same band it just doesn't work you can try for a while uh, but it will fall apart eventually because there will be this tug of war that constantly happens and uh yeah it, it doesn't work in the in the long run yeah because sometimes some people don't know the difference between giving advice like actually getting into the headspace of the again i'm i, I used to i at one point i i was participating in like writing groups with friends mm-hmm. this was like years and years ago you know where thought maybe we could help each other out and what i noticed was i feel like i always had the, the the skill of being able to see what someone was doing the tone of their project and make suggestions that i felt were like tonally in line with what they were doing yeah but i found some some people when they would like look at my stuff weren't giving me suggestions that were like what fit what I'm doing they were basically saying here's what I would do mm-hmm. which is a different thing you know what I mean where you like someone's like making a slapstick comedy and you go and you come in not liking slapstick comedy going actually <laughs> I would do this instead and like right. I know what you would do but that's not the point because <laughs> it's my project right like I don't care what you would do Yeah. and so, so I think sometimes there's people who they don't know the difference and like you say if you're working with like two artists in a band there's a difference between saying here's the song you're writing here's how I can add to the theme or whatever and then just saying like I don't like this line because I would have written this line yeah it's not productive definitely I think (laughs) I tend to be as an artist I'm gonna do what I do and you go do what you do and and let's just leave it at that you don't try to come and tell me what I need to do and I'm not gonna try to tell you what you need to do because I think going back to what you said earlier how you know when you put an Andy production on something you want to feel like you did it and I'm definitely that way with songwriting you know if my name is on a song I wrote the song I wrote every word and every chord of the song <laughs> that, yeah. uh, no, no exceptions and I think to quickly get in my my bash of modern pop music a lot of stuff now in the top 40 is you know has a laundry list of 15 writers and I just think that's totally shameful and not art that's just a 
a product at that point. Especially when like they are lyrically very simple. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing that always surprises me, or especially when you watch like a shitty movie and it'll be like written by and there's like eight writers and you're just yeah. like eight like how like why is there like five writers on that last star wars movie like (laughs) i know i could have written a better film and like give me a week you know like with one guy yeah exactly it took 15 people for this yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i get why i mean like they're contractually obligated to still have their names on there even if some other (laughs) dude comes in and rewrites it but yeah it's the principle of the thing it's just like what did you guys do exactly like yeah i mean i think it's just I think good art a lot of times is personal and I think that, you know, one writer is going to be able to get across their ideas better than five writers trying to all mix and mash a bunch of ideas. I I don't know. I guess you can make stuff that way too. But for me personally, if I'm writing a song, it's just going to be me writing it. Yeah. Like when I'm collaborating with people, there is no option to change the song. There's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You can like not like the song and let's not work on that, which we did do for one song that potentially could have been on Super Toys. We just scrapped it. Prozac was like, eh, I really love It of the Android and Battered Brain. That third song, yeah, let's let's just ignore that. So you can veto the song and just throw it out, but mm. not you can't change it, at least when you're working with me, because I tend to be, again, the selfish songwriter who, you know, I'm just going to do what I do and, and go with it. An interesting note, too, we just listened to Star Child. Star Child was actually in the trash can. I didn't think it was that good. And also Empathy Test as well. And uh, I ended up sending those to Prozac. And he was like, dude, why are these in the trash can? These are great. And so then I finished them and they ended up being some of my favorite songs on the album. Do you guys have like a Dropbox, like a shared thing? Like how is he seeing stuff that's in the trash can? Uh, just the <laughs> metaphorical trash can. Not right, but- the actual <laughs> trash can. <laughs> I don't understand metaphors. I'm like, is he hacking into your computer? Like, is no, this- no, 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 no. In the, <laughs> it was just me telling him basically the trash can of my brain. Yeah, that, yeah. that's where they were. They were on the way out. They were songs that were a verse and a chorus, and I wasn't going to finish them. And then this was a long time ago. This is when we first started to really decide that, oh, let's have you come onto the project and you know let's work on it together as opposed to just doing some little side project. And so. uh yeah, it was when we were all excited, and so I started sending him all of the stuff, and we just got really excited, and then all of a sudden we had an album. So yeah, trash can of my mind. But we do use WeTransfer, is how we send <laughs> files back and forth, and it is a disaster. We always joke about how WeTransfer is trying to shut us down, and how as soon as we get the momentum going, WeTransfer is just going to be like, nope, you need WeTransfer Pro to send this. And <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing with this show, is I have to deal with quite a few of those weird websites that people use, like because people are always sending me music, and then it's like, WeTransfer is the big one, and then there's like these kind of weird <laughs> Russian ones where like I have to download a WinRAR file, and it's like oh, all God. this crazy gibberish lettering, and I'm like, is this okay if I click on this? and yeah. Well, whatever, man. It's a- <laughs> I'd be careful with that, but... Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. It's like it, it asks for my credit card number and all of a sudden my mouse cursor starts to move by itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? Look, I want to listen to another song. This was kind of uh, more of a sillier one. This is the one where you list all the keyboards. <laughs> it's called <laughs> It's called uh, Square Wave to Heaven and uh, it's by Eli Raybon. Synthesizer surely holds the throne with the brain. 
Alright, and that was Square Wave to Heaven by Eli Raybon. And I'm here right now with Eli Raybon listing all the keyboards. That was a proud moment for me. <laughs> when I finished verse two of that song, I felt fulfilled. I'm like, you know what? It's all going to be okay. I just wrote a song that's composed of a bunch of analog synth names. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm happy now. <laughs> so you were in LA, but you're not there anymore? Like, were you there for school or what were you doing? No, actually, to go into my life story that you didn't ask about, I uh, <laughs> I was always a very studious person back in high school, and I guess it was expected that I was going to go to school and, and do that whole thing, follow that traditional path. But I have typically lived in really small towns, and without going into too much detail, during my senior year of high school, I just became really fed up with this idea I just felt like I was on a conveyor belt, you know, like every, all of these people I'm going to school with are going to go to the same college that their parents did and then go and do the same job and then have kids and they're going to do it too. And I was just really, I had seen enough of the world at that time that I, I started to realize, you know, there are other ways you can, can do this thing. And so I had everything planned to go to school in New York and two days before orientation, I decided to just not do it and to take a gap year and just go do music because I felt like I had been preparing to go do music and not go do school. Hmm. So took a year off, made the acoustic album that I alluded to earlier. And then, uh, long story short, at the end of that year, I found myself in L.A. Uh, after a series of misadventures. <laughs> I had a few sort of music industry connections and really more of a, a symbolic move than a practical one. I decided to just move to LA and just go for it. And uh, yeah, I lived there for about a year and a half or two years before realizing that I really had no business being there. And yeah, then I moved back to small town, rural Virginia, where I currently reside. <laughs> I noticed you had a little accent right on the end there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so my accent is funny. I, I have probably moved 11 or 12 times in my 23 years, so pretty consistently. But I spent a lot of time in my childhood down south in, in Mississippi and Louisiana and places like that. And a lot of my family is from there. So I definitely have a little southern twang mixed with just me speaking weird in general. And so the amalgamation <laughs> of those two things ends up being my voice <laughs> it gets worse when i get excited too like when i'm talking about music <laughs> it, it gets worse and worse until i feel like some of the times what i say is totally incomprehensible but anyway is the internet good yeah see i also come from a small town i'm not there right now but uh the internet there is garbage like they're still on phone line internet it's like i mean a small town like population 2000 small. yeah so okay so when i say small that would be tiny if we're gonna categorize okay. things but, um, <laughs> small to me is about you know 20,000 people or so. So not not big, but you know. Yeah, like I come from a small town and during when when COVID started, we actually went back mm -hmm. and we're there for like six months, I think, six or seven months. And so we were yeah. trying to make do with that terrible internet. And right. that was if people weren't on the phone. <laughs> oh, God. You know, like I went back to like the 90s. Like it was amazing. Yeah, see, I, I couldn't live like that. Pretty much my whole life is on the internet. So mm. I need internet. <laughs> it's important. Speaking of small towns versus cities, I think obviously a lot of synthwave imagery and cyberpunk imagery is inspired by, you know, the big mega cities. And so, I, you know, I'm inspired by that stuff too, but I would rather live in the, the small mountain town than in the giant city. That's just tends to be what I what I prefer. I've tried both, so I, I would not. During COVID, I don't think it matters. Yeah, exactly. Because all the benefits of living in a city you can't do right now. 
Uh, I mean, depending on where you live, but I mean, if yeah. you're in like in a lockdown place, it's like, what's the whole cool thing about the city? Oh, like you can go to any store you want, and they're all like within you know this this distance, and you can do this and you can do that, and that's like right now you can't. So all you can do is spend a lot of money on rent. Yeah, pay significantly higher <laughs> rent to sit in a significantly smaller room yeah. to get on the internet. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I can envision a future where I am back in a small town. It just, I can't do it until the internet gets there. Yeah. So I have to deal with a lot of people. <laughs> That's why it really frustrates me about uh, 5G conspiracy theorists because I need, I want the 5G. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, so people said they're like, oh, it'll give you this and that. I'm like, yeah, like, fast internet. <laughs> That's what it's going to give you, and that's what I want, because like when you live in a rural area, it's like, we're relying on what? If fucking Elon Musk has some whack plan to like send satellites up and beam internet to like rural areas, I'm like, that's what we're like relying on? And I'm like, okay, well, we need something better plan than that. <laughs> the whims of some rich guy. Like, I want some wires laid. <laughs> anyway, that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Right. Well, how about this? How about we listen to uh, this track... Which I guess is uh, it was appropriate. It's called "Computer Don't Kill Me," which is a great title, and uh, we're gonna listen to that right now.
right, and that was Computer Don't Kill Me. Or <laughs> I like just whenever I come back, I like to just put different intonation on different words. See, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's how hilarious. does this sound? What Computer Don't Kill Me by Eli Raybon, and uh, and we're chatting with uh, Eli Raybon. Yeah. So, Computer Don't Kill Me was actually the first. It's the first song written on Super Toys. It was the song that. It was the first sci-fi song that I wrote when I realized, oh, I get it now. I know what to do. And then from there, all the rest of it happened. Uh, Do you have like a recording space where you live? I do. Yeah. I have a lot of analog sense and a computer and good mic. And that's pretty much all it takes to make this type of music. Computer Don't Kill Me Too was that was one of the ones where... Yeah, pretty much all of the synths for it were even recorded when I was in L.A. It was the uh, definitely the first one of the batch that came to be. So, you being a young man, then where where do the uh, like what are your sort of inspirations and influences? I have my dad to thank for a lot of it. Really, he's a big music guy, and so I grew up around music. I grew up watching him play guitar and listen to all kinds of music because he has a very diverse taste and. He's been uh, a music fan for a long, long time. And so I think when I was younger, I just got exposed to a lot of stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of new wave stuff. Maybe like, like I remember listening to something like She Blinded Me With Science by Thomas Dolby when I was younger. Then I, you know, grew up and forgot about it for a while in early high school. And then when I started to really get into music and my musical tastes were, were maturing, sort of got back into a lot of that. Yeah, I, I'm into a lot of a lot of 80s stuff, obviously. I mentioned the Flaming Lips earlier. I'm a big songwriting guy, like we've already talked about. So I'm a big fan of like Wilco. And there's this uh, alt-country singer named Jason Isbell, who just is a master songwriter. So big fan of him. So yeah, obviously all the 80s new wave stuff, Black of Seagulls and Thomas Dolby and all that stuff, as well as some of the more obscure 80s stuff, like Kissing the Pink or Malcolm McLaren or a lot of sort of weirder stuff that I tend to really be into. Obviously, instrumental synth soundtrack music. I was really into the Stranger Things soundtrack by two guys from this synth band called Survive. And then obviously they're inspired by Tangerine Dream and then there's Vangelis. So all of that stuff. So that's a brief overview of what my musical inspirations typically are. And then, of course, I'm inspired by film and anime and manga and books and anything, any other form of art, really, I can take and get musical inspiration from that when you write do you have like a visual in your head i don't know i think it i think it varies sometimes i do sometimes i don't i think typically i guess the answer is no because i can't think of any visuals that were in my head while writing any of the songs i I tend to be more of a narrative guy more of a you know i may have a a story or a little narrative or, or character in mind when writing as opposed to a really striking visual are you working on something now? Yes. You said you, you had something in the pipeline. Yeah, so now I am working on this side project called Neuropolitan. I think I shot you a link to the website in the first track. The idea behind that is to release a song every Friday for the entire year of 2021. And the idea behind that is, as I've mentioned earlier, I tend to be a perfectionist and I obsess over making music. So Neuropolitan is a way to not do that and just make something in a few hours and not overthink it and not really think too much about it at all. And it's been really fun to work that way. And so that's musically what I'm working on right now, as as well as, you know, there's 
other albums on the way, but they just take longer to make. Now that you sort of have a sound kind of established with this, uh, the Eli Raybon album, like, do you ever think about taking some of the older acoustic songs that you've written that are sort of hidden away and like seeing if there's a way to sort of update them or give them that kind of new sound? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I tend to, I mentioned earlier, I, I think in terms of albums. <laughs> and so, and I think that makes sense, you know, for someone who listens to Super Toys, it is thematically and sonically pretty consistent. And so my thing has always been, you know, as a as an artist, I'm not going to do the same thing over and over and over, you know? Same with a novelist or, or a director. You know, maybe I want to do a comedy and then maybe I want to do a drama and maybe I want to do a mystery. And so for me, I don't really think in terms of taking the old acoustic stuff and updating them. I think more in terms of like, you know, I want to do whatever is appropriate for that project. And it, it may be very similar to Super Toys, or it could be totally stripped down and acoustic and something totally different. And as time passes, it's difficult to talk about without actually releasing any of the music. But as time passes, I think my catalog will slowly, it, it'll be pretty diverse. I think I'm into a lot of things. And so I'll end up making a lot of different kind of things some of the more inventive music I hear, even though I love all the synth stuff. So that is where my heart lies, you know, but I found that there have been a lot of uh, interesting tunes made by artists who came from different genres mm -hmm. originally, you know, so even if they land on making stuff with synthesizers, it's, it's always cool to hear stuff that comes from a different place. Yeah. And synthesizers too. I do think that will be somewhat of a constant. I'm a big synth guy. When I really started to get into analog synths and really synths in general, any kind of synths, things really clicked for me. So I think that will be a constant, but they can be pretty diverse beasts. So you can you can cover a lot of territory with a synthesizer. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine some of the stuff in the near future will get pretty weird and it will really just be these... <laughs> It will. It'll be these surreal soundscapes with no lyrics and, you know, it more mood, atmospheric music than something that you would hear on Super Toys, you know, totally different. But I think it'll all make sense at the end of the day. <laughs> or actually, it probably won't, but yeah. it, doesn't it doesn't have to make sense. That's no, no justification. <laughs> Just keep an eye out. Things are going to get really weird. <laughs> um, well, look, how about this? How about we listen to one more track? And then we can wind things down. So uh, we talked about it earlier. I think maybe I'll play the song and the outro. I'll just fucking play the whole thing. Cool. Is that cool with you? Sounds good to uh, me. We're talking, of course, about uh, Pluto's first pop star, uh, which... Nice. Pluto's first pop star is one that I've returned to quite a bit. I think this song just has the right amount. It's like, it's, it's epic. Like I said, when I was describing my... Uh, my scene of <laughs> what I imagine with this thing, you know, it can be like a, a like a dance, like, you know, you picture like Back to the Future, you know, when they're having like the slow dance at the end or whatever, like this is like the kind of song that could play, yeah. but it also has that epic build. It's it's a, a kind of a love song, but it's also got that melancholy vibe again, like the other things, and then the outro is cool, and it's got this nice like, uh... anyway, look, let's just listen to it. How about that? My words will pale in comparison to the lovely music of Eli Raybon. So here is Pluto's First Pop Star by Eli Raybon. I've never seen anyone like her. Her voice is pure to 
right, and that was Pluto's first pop star. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Pluto's first pop star. Uh, and the outro, so I played both. And uh, it's by Eli Raybon. And we've been chatting with Eli Raybon today. That is me. Now, whoa, I almost knocked my mug over. That would have been bad. Uh, <laughs> I was going to push that aside. Uh, yeah, man. So what's, uh, do you have any, like, parting words Oh, God. <laughs> did, did you did you plan a proper speech to, to end this segment on? I'm I'm more of an incoherent rant kind of guy myself, but mm. uh, than a than a thought out speech. <laughs> did you want to talk about the government? Uh, <laughs> usually, most incoherent rants I have usually start with the government and then like some nonsense. Yeah, I don't know. I tend to stay. <laughs> I tend to just not be interested in it. You know, a lot of especially with with music, for example, all of my stuff is totally apolitical because I just. I would rather write escapist stuff. Not that it doesn't have meaning to it or that it's not, can't be impactful or important, but mm. no, I'm more of a going on an incoherent rant about something that makes no sense to begin. Well, I guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now I've stuck you in a logic loop here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the best way to be. Yeah. One of my mission statements with this show is sort of just trying to be an escape for people, especially you got coming out of like, one of the stupidest years of existence it's uh yeah it's been a weird year you know a, a lot of people really you know they would uh write me messages just to say thanks for just doing the show just because we don't really talk about what's going on outside it's like i'm recording this show in a bunker yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i'm just i'm just unaware of what's going on out there just i got my can of beans and video games and that's what people do in bunkers i guess i don't know i'm just <laughs> painting an image now <laughs> yeah very visual i might have to write a song about that yeah <laughs> Or it's kind of dark because now I'm just I'm I'm just trying to describe a fun bunker and not one that you use to escape some sort of annihilation. This is just a fun bunker with cans of beans and right. video games. Do you eat a lot of cans of beans? Uh, it's just what I always picture being in a bunker. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I do not eat cans of beans. Sorry. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, well, if I make chili, I mean, I'll put beans in the chili, right? Yeah, I guess just. About- a part, a good maybe a good parting note, probably a terrible parting note, but I do eat cans of beans. I really, I'm a big fan, a big bean fan. I have a very simple diet. <laughs> I guess I just eat beans. They're well, good, but you're young. That's a, you're you are doing what you're meant to be doing at your age. That's a good point. Producing some well produced fucking uh, pop music, <laughs> and then your diet should consist of uh, those fucking uh, Mr. Noodles. Uh, you know, just add hot water and uh, <laughs> what else do young guys eat? Beans. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I never think to eat beans. Like, I always have to add beans to a thing. Yeah. I'll eat cans of stew. Like, I'll eat, like, you know, like the chunky soup in the can and stuff. Like, I'll yeah. do that. I'm not above any of this. I'm not I'm not trying to pass judgment. I, I eat a lot of garbage. Pizza pockets. What else? Yeah. Pogos. <laughs> Put them in the microwave. I've yet to come up, even in all this time. I still have no idea what a good parting note will be. <laughs> not, not this. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but this. We got to steer this thing somewhere else before we cut. <laughs> we can't end it now. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I haven't learned. This is the ninth season of Beyond Synth, and I still haven't learned how to properly end a show with somebody. <laughs> It always ends like a, like a high school kid like saying goodbye to his girlfriend on the phone and like that, that's how every show ends I do. It's awful. Yeah. But look, uh, the point is this, man. You make good music. It's uh it's good stuff. It makes me happy and uh and thanks again for uh you know, letting me use it on the thing. I think it's like a a perfect fit to the 
the visuals of the spaceship and i think it sets the tone of the show nicely which uh i really appreciate and it's a uh, it's good stuff absolutely well yeah thanks for using it i like i said earlier it as soon as i saw it i understood why you wanted to use it and it works <laughs> it's great yeah man just keep on uh, making tunes that i will have no problem doing i may not be able to come up with intelligent parting words but i can keep making music That's do you have like a job or are you literally just can you focus on your music all the time right now no i actually uh, i'm a programmer Hence, a lot of the computer lyrics. Ah. Actually, though, it's a funny thing. It's a good note to end on. I was not when I wrote Super Toys. That's actually a new thing. Yeah, it's one of those things where I wrote all these songs about computers, and now I, I work with computers like 24-7. So, yeah, that's that's my uh, my job. It's very thematically uh, consistent with my music. <laughs> well, that's cool. What do, you, what do you mean you're a programmer? What does that mean? Yeah, so I, I work at a as a developer at a tech startup based out of D.C. We build web apps and do occasional government work when it's needed and yeah yeah well, that's cool yeah i finally decided i mean with music after super toys i was just totally a little burnout probably i guess would be the word just because when i am making an album like that i get so obsessive it sort of takes over everything and so after that i needed a bit of a uh, bit of breathing room and so yeah i just started obsessing over other technology based stuff instead and finally decided you know maybe i should get a real job after all this time and uh <laughs> and i did and i actually find it i i'm more productive having a job than not having a job because if i don't have one i'm just going to sit around and watch anime for half the day and then make music the other half or if i have a job i have to actually prioritize and it ends up being very beneficial for uh for making music and putting a schedule together all these things i used to think were underrated turns out they actually help <laughs> Yeah, this is still a lesson I'm learning now. So I'll be 40 next year, and I've just decided this year, this is the first year of Beyond Synth that I'm like, maybe I should have a schedule where I actually write down who I got in contact with and when we're going to record an interview, because I've honestly never actually done that. <laughs> yeah, just I've always just, I just have like a notepad document on the computer where I just type stuff. And like, this is the first year where I actually have like a chart with like wow. color coded, you know, this person I reached out to and this person we've got a thing scheduled and that's orange. And if I've reached out, it's yellow and like, all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really taking a step up now. Yeah, we yeah. have a Beyond Synth chart. Yeah. <laughs> stupid <laughs> anyways man look it was it was lovely to meet you absolutely uh, keep on making cool music and uh yeah man do uh rock on rock on <laughs> rock on man <laughs> <laughs> groovy dude All right, and that was my conversation with Eli Raybon. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week for another one. All right, we got lots of shows coming up, and uh, I hope you enjoy them. And as always, if you want to write me a letter, you can uh, you can send me a message there on Patreon, and I will uh, I'll read it. All right, I got nothing better to do. And of course, don't forget to go to the Beyond Synth YouTube channel and check out Andy's spaceship. All right, I want uh, I want more than six people to watch it. <laughs> I'm going for seven, all right? That's my goal this year in 2021. I want seven viewers. So uh, go check that out, and uh, don't forget to uh, support the show on Patreon if you like, or PayPal. You can do that right on uh, BeyondSynth.com. And uh, you know what? Go to hell. What? Nope. <laughs> Maybe I have Tourette's. I'm not trying to be offensive. It's just that I literally didn't plan to say, go to hell. 
It just happened. So I don't know. Who knows, man? Maybe I got a problem. All right. We got to sort it out. 2021. Let's fix shit. Uh, And that's all I have to say. So uh, thanks for listening to the show. Tune in next time. My name is Andy. This has been Beyond Synth, episode 267. And uh, happy birthday. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.